Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program, podcast, our thank you gift, and how to donate when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael and part two of his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 called Heavenly Roles. I believe that one day I'm going to answer to God for how faithful I was to the things that he called were the most important. Amen? I believe that it is incumbent upon pastors and parents and those who are the elders of our community, male and female, to make sure that we are passing along biblical truth and modeling biblical truth to generations to come. A parallel to that is mentioned in Psalm 78 where the fathers of Israel were called to pass along truth. Deuteronomy 6 says, share it when you walk by the way. Put it on the doorpost. You know, it should be everywhere in front of the people that we are raising, the children and grandchildren to come. This is what Paul passed on. And before he lays out a warning to the church, he says, look, you guys have been faithful to what I handed down to you. Now, some people believe that this is just a rhetorical device that Paul is using just to set them up for the warning. I don't think so. I think that this is genuine. I think that there were people in the Corinthian church that were genuinely trying. And I think that whenever someone is doing well in an area of their Christian life, we should be careful to encourage them. Amen? (laughs) We have enough people bagging on us, right? And I know we get tired sometimes of feeling beat up in areas where, you know, look, we're we're genuinely struggling. I think we can learn something from the Apostle Paul that if you see a younger Christian who has taken a good step in the right direction and overcome something or aligned their life more to biblical truth, that you would applaud that. That you would say to them, good job. Hey, I know you're struggling with some things, but good job that you have aligned your life to the Bible here. And I will say to you, for some of you that are new to the Bible, some of these things hit you and you're like, I don't know. I remember when my wife and I were new Christians, we would hear some preaching on the radio and some of it would ruffle the feathers. And that's because all we knew were the arguments of the world. All we knew were the ways of the world. And sometimes when we heard biblical truth, it was like, man, it was like getting smacked in the face. But then you have to wrestle with whether or not biblical truth is biblical truth. Amen. You have to wrestle with whether or not you're going to obey the Bible despite what the culture says. You have to ask the question, if you will say, like Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Despite what the culture is doing, despite if a lot of Israel was going after other gods, which indeed was happening in Joshua's time. Joshua was was charged to be courageous and to hold to the truth, to meditate on the word of God. And so these uh, traditions or teachings, NIV, would be in Paul's letters. In fact, in 2 Peter 3, I think it's verse 16, Peter calls Paul's writings, Scripture. So you could put it this way. These are transmitted precepts of apostolic doctrine to the Corinthian church that many were holding and doing well to hold to. That's the 
applause. That's the good job. Here's the warning. Verse 3. This is why we're only doing two verses this morning. But I want you to understand, 1 Corinthians 11.3, I want you to know, New King James, I want you to realize, NIV, that Christ is the head of every man. Now, for those of you who have studied the word head and ever done an exhaustive study on it, is the Greek word kephale. If you want the spelling, it's K-E-P-H-A-L-E. Volumes have been written on the Greek word kephale. Wayne Grudem has done an exhaustive study on this particular word, and he has, um, this is what one writer says, Grudem employs the thesaurus lingua graciae to examine 2,336 instances of the use of this word from the 8th century B.C., to the 4th century A.D. Now, how many of you want to study that? Now, this is where you say, Pastor Michael, thank you for doing some of this reading. Tell us what you think about the word. All right? Here's, here's basically what's going on. The word head, in many of these ancient usages, means just that. It means your head on your body. That's pretty plain. But then the debate comes down to whether or not the word for head either means uh, the head of something like preeminence or even rule or whether it means source. Now, there is a camp that is arguing that the word head means source. If we were right to read it that way, let's take a look at how it would read. I want you to understand that Christ is the source of every man. Is he also the source of women? And that man is the source of a woman, and God is the source of Christ. Now, there are big problems with the last statement especially because if God is the source of Christ, if he created Christ, then what we have is we have a doctrine called subordinationism. And what it does is it downplays the deity of Christ and tries to make him a created being. Now, that is not what we believe about the Trinity. We believe that Jesus is eternal God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And as you read a little bit more, and I won't bore you with the details, you come to find out that the argument for source is really not a good argument at all. And if you try to force it on this text, you end up with some pretty major problems, even compromising the Trinity and the deity of Christ. Now, the other way to look at this word is that head means just that. It means the head. In a metaphorical sense, like the head of a company or the head of a family. But this becomes a problem because then it teaches male headship and female what? Say it, ladies. Submit. This is that word. Submission. Does the Bible teach male headship and female submission? The answer, yes. Now, what does that mean, though? And where does it come from? And what is God's purpose in it? I want you to turn all the way to the book of Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. 
So God forms Adam out of the dust of the ground and he breathes into him the breath of life. We looked at that beautiful picture of something that we said almost looks like a mouth-to-mouth operation. He forms Adam out of the dust with his incredible creative power and breathes into his nostrils the breath of life. And it's, a, it's an intimate act. And as the man is the focus, 2.15 of Genesis, the Lord God took the man, he put him into the Garden of Eden to what? To cultivate it and keep it. Adam's call was to provide an environment for growth, that's cultivation, and to keep it, that is to protect, it has implications of the watchman on the wall, 16 Genesis 2. The Lord God commanded the man, and he said, from every tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it, eat, for in the day you eat from it you will surely die. He commanded the man. He made him accountable, responsible. The Lord God said, it is not good, he initiated this, for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. The Hebrew word for helper there is literally an ally. It could be rendered a succor. The Bible actually says that God is the helper of Israel. He's her defense, her protection. He's got her back and her front. The word for helper, sometimes translated or thought of as helpmate, is really not, it doesn't do it justice. Helper means someone who comes alongside. The Holy Spirit is our helper. And a wife is a helper to her husband. She is a succor. She supports him. She is his ally. Think of a military ally. Literally in the Hebrew picture language, the word means one who can see the enemy. That's an amazing meaning. It's one who has his back. One who will encourage and protect him. And this is the word for helper. Now, Adam is given responsibility, but notice, so he's naming the animals. The, God, the Lord God causes a deep sleep to fall upon the man. Some women, 21, wonder if he ever woke up, but that's for another sermon. <laughs> he slept. Then God took one of his ribs, closed up the flesh at that place. As the church is born out of Jesus' wounded side, the last Adam we've mentioned before, the first Adam gives birth, if you will, to the woman from his wounded side next to his heart. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man. He brought her to the man. God the Father is the first father of the bride. He walks her down the aisle to the man. The man says, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man, not from the sole of his foot, not from the top of his head, not to be above him or below him, but from next to his heart. And for this reason, because Eve was taken out of man next to his heart, a man shall leave his father and his mother, his first family, and be joined or cleaved to his wife, and they, the two, shall become what? They'll become one flesh. In their oneness, there's a beauty. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Hey, Shane Lance here, and I wanted to take a quick moment and encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer. This is a quick read from scripture with a little bit of commentary, and it's a great way to keep you growing in your walk with the Lord. In our crazy society right now, with all the things we jam-pack into our schedule, I'll be the first to admit that sometimes it's hard to find time to study God's Word. But it is so important as we grow in our relationship with the Lord to study His Word. It's such a vital aspect to our walk. You can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Again, that's Step Closer as one word to 33222. We really believe here at Walk in Truth that this can be a great instrument in helping you grow in your relationship with the Lord. So once again, we'd encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer, and you can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. The Ministry of Walk in Truth and Pastor Michael Lance would like to give you a copy of his book, Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. You know, I wrote Suit Up because I sense the need in the body of Christ and really in my own life to be suited up with the armor of God. Armors for one thing, protection. From what? Well, from temptation, from the enemy, from falling, from being wounded, from hurting others. So we suit up, that's the image, we put on the armor of God so that we can be protected and effective in our Christian walk and help others in the battle and the journey. We will send you a copy of Suit Up as a thank you when you send a financial gift of $5 or more to Walk in Truth. Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry, and we appreciate your help to broadcast and grow the ministry to more radio stations. Please give online at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com. Click the Donate button or call 844-48-TRUTH. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. She is his ally. Think of a military ally. Literally in the Hebrew picture language, the word means one who can see the enemy. That's an amazing meaning. It's one who has his back. One who will encourage and protect him. And this is the word for helper. Now, Adam is given responsibility. But notice, so... He's naming the animals. The, God, the Lord God causes a deep sleep to fall upon the man. Some women, 21, wonder if he ever woke up, but that's for another sermon. <laughs> he slept. Then God took one of his ribs, closed up the flesh at that place. As the church is born out of Jesus' wounded side, the last Adam we've mentioned before, the first Adam gives birth, if you will, to the woman from his wounded side next to his heart. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man. He brought her to the man. God the Father is the first father of the bride. He walks her down the aisle to the man. The man says, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man, not from the sole of his foot, not from the top of his head, not to be above him or below him, but from next to his heart. 
And for this reason, because Eve was taken out of man next to his heart, a man shall leave his father and his mother, his first family, and be joined or cleave to his wife, and they, the two, shall become what? They'll become one flesh. In their oneness, there's a beauty. And the man is called in Ephesians 5, where Paul quotes Genesis 2, to love and cherish his wife as he does his own body. Any man who believes that male headship and female submission means that you can dominate and call your shots from your lazy boy chair is frankly just does not understand the Bible, nor do you understand God's heart. In fact, your call in male headship is to protect your bride. It's to cover her and to lead her toward Christ. Your call is to love her as Christ loves his church, which means you're willing to give up your life for her. It means you're willing to even to give up your rights for her. It means that you will love her in covenant faithfully. And this is where we need the grace of God. See, male headship and female submission is not something to be taboo. It's something to be actually celebrated. But I believe the devil has done a great job of making this about a battle instead of about beauty. And people chafe against this. I understand it. And I understand that in many cases it's not been what it's supposed to be. And can I apologize for men to you ladies who have not been what they've supposed to be? Who have taken these verses and abused them and dominated instead of dying for their bride? It's just wrong. But I will say this, that oftentimes when a male pastor is speaking on these things like I am, very little is mentioned about the female's part. And your part is to submit to your husband's leadership because that's the call that God has given him. And I was talking to a sister in Christ the other day about this subject, and here's simply what it means. Don't make it difficult on him. And all the ladies said, I will not say the amen to that. I know you will. Just follow his lead and trust God. Now, practically, I've been doing a lot of premarital counseling lately, and I tell couples, look, if a man, if male headship means that a man has to make decisions autonomous of you, like come home and say, honey, we're moving to Idaho, he is a fool. Honey, I just bought this brand new shiny red sports car. What do you think of it? Let's go for a drive. You know what our first reaction is going to be? Where are you sleeping tonight? And how much is that going to cost you per month? Right? You do not need to make decisions autonomous from your bride. The two of you are one. You talk about it. You partner in it. And if there's a tough decision and you don't have clarity, then you both pray about it to see what the Lord's will is in it. 
And in that rare case where a man may have to make a decision for a family, I will say to you, that's probably pretty rare. And when it happens, I have known many noble women who have said to their husbands, I will trust you to lead our family well. You know what that does for a man? He feels like he can fly. It puts an S on his chest. When our wives believe in us and applaud our leadership, we feel like we can leap tall buildings in a single bound. See, one of the things that men long for, ladies, is respect and honor. And I know that you ladies long for security. And sometimes you may pray to the Lord. You may say, Lord, where is he going to take us? I understand that. And that's where your prayers for him are important. Let's turn back to 1 Corinthians 11. So, male headship is not a bad thing. It's a God thing. And that's the question that we're really wrestling with is what does the Bible say about these issues? Do you, do you believe that if you align your life with God's order and God's will, that your life will be in order? They've done a lot of studies, and they've, they've asked questions about what people see as the, uh, what's the, what's the image that you have of the best family scenario? What comes to your mind? This is from a book a few years ago, but a lot of people said, leave it to beaver, is that the show? Wasn't that the show? How many of you remember that show? All right, there you go. It's working. Was an ideal family a picture for them? Now, it doesn't always work, we know. We know that in our society, oftentimes two people have to work and all of that. And we know that Proverbs 31 makes an argument for an enterprising woman who can work outside the home, etc., But that's what people said. They saw that as the ideal. I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man. Ladies, how many of you would say that it's a good thing? And I'll I'll say to you that men and women here, uh, the Greek words can be translated husband and wife. So how many of you ladies would say it's a good thing that Christ is the head of every husband? You see, he has a head. And husbands, your responsibility is to be faithful and submissive to your head, who is Christ. You're listening to Heavenly Roles, part two on Walk in Truth. A reminder that this is the last week you can get your copy of Pastor Michael's book, Suit Up, as a thank you when you give a gift of $5 or more to Walk in Truth. We're a listener-supported ministry, and we appreciate the help of listeners like you not only to broadcast on radio and podcast, but also to do the events that we have for the community, like the 633 event we did last Sunday night with Greg Kokel. So please give what you can and get your copy of Suit Up. It's our way of showing a little gratitude. Click the donate button on walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH during normal business hours. Again, click the donate button on Walk in Truth or call 844-48-TRUTH during normal business hours. Now here's Pastor Michael. Well, sometimes when people hear these teachings about roles in marriage, they wonder, well, how can I have a 
equal marriage or how can I have a balanced relationship? Well, you know, the Bible actually is teaching us how to have a biblically balanced relationship. You see, when two people are doing it God's way, the Bible's way, then both people are going to feel edified, encouraged, loved, and they're going to be taking their God-given role, which is going to be a sweet spot for life. So that's a good thing to think about. If you do your role, your spouse does their role well, you're both going to be encouraged, built up, and there's going to be a beautiful symmetry in your marriage. Well, all you ladies, I'd love to invite you out to a women's Bible study. There's one at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. on Thursdays at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, where I serve as senior pastor. Now, the address is 1009 Arsenal Way in Corona. You can download our free Living Truth app with all the details. Look for the red logo with the pillars. These are some great studies with times of questions and fellowship and some teaching going through the book of Genesis right now. We'd love to have you check it out today for all you ladies, 10 a.m., 6.30 p.m., two different studies, same content. Uh, You can choose either one and you can get the information on the Living Truth app today. And don't forget about the men's study this coming Saturday, 8 a.m. We have a great breakfast. We have a time of worship. We get into the word and then we break into some small groups to encourage one another. 8 a.m. this Saturday, gentlemen, come on out before you do your honeydew list and grow in your faith. It'll be a great thing. We'll have you out of here by about 10 a.m. It's an awesome time of fellowship. Come on out today. Check out the Living Truth app for all the details. God bless you. Tune in tomorrow for Heavenly Rules Part 3, Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.